All right, if you're new here this morning, we don't normally have kids in the service. We want the kids to be able to participate in the service as soon as possible. And so every fifth Sunday and sometimes special Sundays like today where we know there's not going to be a lot of people and it's going to be hard to have workers, uh, we're going to have the kids in the service. Everybody have a good Christmas yesterday? Yeah? How many, who still has more presents to open? Yeah? Who thinks they already got the, the coolest present in the room? Moxie does? What was your cool present, Moxie? Oh, your parents didn't give you any presents yesterday? No presents? I'll have to talk to your mom and dad. Oh, you got lots of presents. That's good. Here. There you go. Okay. Um, kids, while I'm still talking to you, when you think of Jesus, when you picture him in your mind, what do you think of? How do you picture him? Go ahead, Abe. As a Savior. Okay, well, look at you racking up points. Yes, Lucy? You think of him as a baby, and you think of him as an adult. Yeah? Glory, that's a good answer. Oh, that was super lame. That was a tootsie roll. Here, take another one. <laughs> All right, what do you got? Holy. Holy. Yeah, you get a tootsie roll. That's just rep- a repetition of glory. All right, Caleb. God, that's good. Hey, look, Skittles. All right. How many of you think of Jesus as a kid like you? Anybody? Do you have that thought? We don't normally think about Jesus being a kid, do we? We don't have many stories about Jesus being a kid. But we do have one. We have one, and it is in Luke 2, and that's where we're going to study today, okay? We don't know a lot about what it looked like for Jesus to be a kid, but we know one thing. Now, Jesus in this story is 12 years old, so he's not little, little, but he's not big either, right? Anybody excited about being a teenager? Anybody excited about being a grown-up, an adult? Okay. Most of us adults in here are still working on that too. I think we all have a lot to learn from this story. Okay, so you thought I was joking about picking up in Luke 2 last week. We are picking up in Luke 2 this week, but we are going to skip the circumcision part. So, uh, Luke 2, beginning in verse 41. Now his parents, so they're talking about Jesus, so we're talking about Mary and Joseph, right? Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances, and when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must... 
be in my father's house or about my father's business. And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and favor with God and man. Let's pray. Father, as we come to your word this morning, I pray that you would humble our hearts before you, that you would help us to see what you would have us to see in this passage of scripture, that you'd make our ears and our hearts attentive to you. Help us to learn from Joseph and Mary and Jesus. Give us tender hearts. Help us repent of sin. Help us turn to Jesus. Help us walk out of here this morning, renewed in our commitment to living lives that are obedient to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's begin this morning by walking through the passages verse by verse. I know we're taking a break from our study in Philippians. We'll be back in Philippians starting chapter 3 next week, but I wanted to take just a little bit aside this morning. So verse 41, now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. Okay, let's stop for a moment and figure out the facts. The temple was in Jerusalem, right? Where did the Jewish people worship? At the temple. Did all the Jewish people live in Jerusalem? No. So how easy would it be to go to the temple and worship? Not easy, right? Not easy. So what did they do? How often were they supposed to go to the temple? Do you know? Anybody have a guess? Yeah. Okay. A little. Very savvy answer. I'm looking for a tootsie roll this time. All right, there you go. <laughs> yeah, you, do you know? Every year. Every year, okay. Once a year, but not once a year. But every year they had to go. All right, right answers only. Get candy now. No, not every Sunday. Otto? Every month. Not every month. It's a good guess. Caleb? Baby Jesus, right answers only, there you go, bonk, (laughs) you okay? All right, all right, three times a year, three times a year you were required to go to Jerusalem, okay, to the temple, for three feasts, three main feasts, those feasts were Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Booths, okay? Now, Not the whole family had to go. Actually, only the adult males had to go. Every adult male was required to be in Jerusalem for all three. The women and the children were not required to go because it was a hardship. You'd have to travel on the road, walking for days. Okay, so the only people that were required to be there were the adult males. Okay, God knew it was a lot to ask for everybody to come to Jerusalem three times a year. Um, for us, it'd be like taking a trip for Christmas, Easter, and one more holiday, right? Um, Dad would have to go and make sacrifices at the temple in Jerusalem. But the Bible says that Mary and Joseph went up to Jerusalem for the feast every year, the whole family. Let's stop and think for a moment what that would mean for them. For Joseph coming from Nazareth alone... By himself, do you know how long it would have taken? Two to three days on foot. Okay? Two to three days on foot. Joseph by himself. A whole family traveling. 
would have taken about five days. Okay, on foot. One direction. So who's good at math? How many days, you guys are going to have to like do the math and keep the math here for me. How many days are you going to spend on the road as a family? Go ahead. If it's five days one way on the road, it's probably five days back. Ten. Wow, look at you. There you go. Ten days. Ten days travel. (laughs) Ten days traveling, okay? Ten days on the road, three times a year. Now, the feast itself is seven days long. You only have to be there for two of those days. So that's 12 days. Yeah, it's like math class. All right. If Joseph does this trip by himself, he's gone for what? A week or less? Right? It's a week away from work for a poor family, and we know they were very poor. Okay? It's a week of travel expenses for an adult male. For the whole family, 10 days. And it says that they stayed the full number of days. So that's... Click on the draw, man. Tootsie roll for that one. 17 days. 17 days. Okay? 17 days, two and a half weeks, which doesn't count any time it would take to close down, shut up your house, shut up shop, whatever you had to do, pack, pack the kids, pack provisions, pack tents, because you're probably sleeping on the side of the road. And that's not making any provisions for bad weather or troubles along the way, dangers on the road. Two and a half weeks away from work and home, all the extra expenses, all the travel, all the things. How much easier is it for Mary and the kids to stay home? It's a lot easier, right? Lots. <laughs> All right. No more candy for the rest of service. You're going to deplete me, and I've got to have enough candy left for the bulletins, okay? But that was a good answer. A lot. All right. A lot. And it would have been even more complicated. Because they would have been traveling together with family. So it would be 17 days together with family, extended family, constantly. Now, we're in the Christmas season. Everybody loves their family. My whole family's here this morning. My parents are back there. Say hi. My in-laws. Everybody's here. We all love our family. Still, 17 days together traveling. Five days on the road one way, five ways back, five days back. Uh, We all love our families, right? (laughs) But also, (laughs) get a little intense, maybe. Let's assume this is the best possible situation. Okay, but now put yourself in Joseph and Mary's shoes. Was it the best possible situation for them? What if you were the outcasts, maybe, in your family? What if you were the ones that were on the edge? What if you were kind of the embarrassment of the family? Remember our sermon last week, right? We talked about Joseph and Mary and what they went through. What if the family is giving you side-eye about the circumstances of your oldest son's birth, right? 
What if you're trying to be godly, so you're traveling to the feast to worship God together, and you're bringing with you the child that everybody thinks is illegitimate? That's pretty intense, right? Yeah, please, Joseph and Mary, bring your whole family together. Come and parade your righteousness in front of us all and tell us again about how an angel came to you. Jesus' reputation as an illegitimate child, someone born of fornication, extended, we think, it appears from Scripture, into his ministry, and not just in his own hometown. Like, people in Jerusalem knew that. Okay? His reputation didn't, that reputation didn't go away. Joseph and Mary would have had to go through a lot to bring their whole family to Jerusalem every year. They would have been looked down on, they would have been despised, and they were poor on top of it. It would have been a real financial hardship for them. And it wasn't necessary. God had made provision for circumstances such as theirs. They didn't have to go through with all of that. Joseph only had to go by himself. He only had to be gone a week. He didn't have to bring Mary. He didn't have to bring Jesus. And he did every single year. We know they could hardly afford to pay for the sacrifices that were required of them. We know that they... There's provision for those who are poor in the Bible. If you can't afford the lambs and the goats, you can bring doves. That's what Joseph and Mary had to do. That's how poor they were. But they were godly. They honored the Lord. They honored Him together. It had to be difficult. It had to be tiring. It had to be dangerous. But God had appointed a feast. They were going to worship God together. They were going to walk through it together, side by side. And think, okay, this is how Jesus was raised. If you've ever been afraid to come to church because you thought you were going to get sideways glances, well, that was Jesus' whole life, actually. Jesus lived that life firsthand from the time he was a kid. When he was hanging out, Later on, with sinners, that wasn't Jesus stepping outside of his comfort zone. That was Jesus doing what he'd always done. He made that decision when he chose to become a man. When he became a man, low was all he knew. When he was born, his entire life, low is all he knew. All right, so be honest. If you had to pack your family, 17 days, travel, shut up shop, Close down the house. Big city every year. Knowing lots of people were going to look down on you as you come to worship. How many of us make the trip? Every year. Three times a year. And think too, Jerusalem saw an influx of about 200,000 people. And 100,000 sheep. It was a messy time. A sloppy time. There were marketplaces popping up everywhere. People were selling sheep for the slaughter. That's what you were walking into. It was a feast. It was a festival. There were probably sweet things too. Family reunions, old friends long lost. But let's think honestly about ourselves. It didn't cost us much to be here this morning. The day after Christmas, small crowd, Still, it didn't cost us. We didn't even have to de-ice our cars. It was 70 degrees yesterday. 
It's going to be six, in the 60s today. It didn't cost us much, right? We're here this morning because we do love God, because we do want to be here with God's people, right? But still, think about the ways that we sometimes grumble. The ways we're tempted to grumble. The things in our lives that sometimes take place above gathering with the people of God. We ought to be more like Mary and Joseph, right? Right? All right, moving forward. When he became 12, they went up there according to the custom of the feast. Now, Jesus became 12. Let's talk about that for a minute. Okay, they go up to the feast every year. That was a good little mini-sermon, right? He became 12. Anybody ever been to a bar mitzvah or bat mitzvah? Do, anybody, kids, do you know what one is? It is a Jewish coming-of-age ceremony and celebration. It happens when you turn 13, okay? When you thir- turn 13, you have your bar mitzvah, if you're a boy, or your bat mitzvah, if you're a girl, most of the traditions or ceremonies that we know from a bar mitzvah would have developed more recently. But those ceremonies are rooted in a tradition that goes all the way back to the time of Jesus, actually. It's not an accident that Luke records here that Jesus was 12. Okay? Bar mitzvah means son of the commandment or son of the law. It's when a boy becomes formally accountable to fulfill his duties as a child of the covenant. He becomes a fully legal adult male. Okay? So check this out. Traditionally, what that means is at the age of 13, a young man was able to marry and hold property. Crazy, huh? At the age of 13. So starting at the age of 12, a boy would begin training for that responsibility. He'd begin training because at 13, that's serious. That's a huge step forward. He becomes a man. He's required to come to all the feasts at that age. He's required to fast on the Day of Atonement. He has to start reading Scripture publicly in the synagogues. He would have had spiritual training. He would have been taught how to fast. He would have begun attending prayer services. He would have begun reading Scripture publicly. Today, you'd go to Hebrew school or something like that. Jesus didn't have anything like that. If you grew up in a church that does confirmation, it'd be similar, but way more intense. He'd also have physical training. At the age of 12, that's when he would start working with his dad in his shop or whatever he did. It's when he would start sort of apprenticing with his dad. Jesus would have begun as the son of a carpenter to learn the ins and outs of being a carpenter, swinging a hammer. He'd need a job. He'd have to take on the family trade. Life had a pretty simple order. This is normal for most cultures and most times and places in the history of the world. Our culture is the exception, not the rule in this. We prolong our childhood and our adolescence well beyond what anyone would have ever deemed acceptable. And Jesus was no exception to that expectation. He was 12, so he was becoming a young man. Kids, you feel that? Hey, Haddon, 
You feel that? No? You feel the pressure? 12, 13, becoming a man? For Jesus, there's a lot going on at this particular point in time. The lines between childhood and adulthood were being blurred. He was beginning to learn his father's business, how to swing a hammer. He was also learning how to engage with God's word in the synagogues. He was moving away from being a child. He was preparing to step forward as a man. I want everybody to pay attention to Jesus here. At 12 years old, he was already beginning to grasp his mission in life. He was thinking about it seriously. He was ready to put his childhood behind him. We're going to see that. Makes you think, huh? How many of us have teenagers in the room? How have we done to prepare our kids for the world? We don't live in the same world they did. We shouldn't pretend like we do. Okay, I'm not saying we should. 12, 12 and 13-year-olds don't have to be ready to take on the cares of the world. Okay, But we should be preparing them. They can handle more than we give them credit for. We are preparing them. Preparing them to step into maturity or if we're preparing them for prolonged adolescence. All right, we'll come back to that thought. Let's keep going through the passage. As they were returning, after spending the full number of days, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But his parents were unaware of it, but supposed him to be in the caravan and went a day's journey. They began looking for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem looking for him. Okay, here's a question. How does that happen? How do you leave Jesus behind in Jerusalem? How does that happen? They went a whole day's journey. Lucy? Probably they thought he was playing around with his cousins. That's a great answer. Because they were traveling with family. And there was a caravan, right? Probably they thought he was playing around with his cousins. That's a good answer. It was also probable that the men and the women traveled separately. And the children would have traveled with the, with the women. But what's Jesus? Is he a man or is he a child? Oh, he's right on the edge, right? He's right on the edge. What if he traveled up to Jerusalem with mom? Right? He's 12. But this is a big step. This is a feast. He's becoming a man. What if, you know, Mary's like, well, Jesus isn't here. Oh, Joseph decided it was time. That's cool. And sad. What if Joseph is like, Jesus isn't here? Sweet. One last trip with mom before he becomes a man, has to travel with the men. Right? You go a day's journey, everybody's separated. Maybe Jesus is with dad, maybe Jesus is with mom, maybe Jesus is with his cousin. Jesus is probably pretty interesting to hang out with, right? Like, yeah. For sure. You get to the end of that first day of traveling, and it's like, well, I thought he was with you. I thought he was with you. 
would have been really easy. Jesus would have been trusted. Parents were not as helicoptery as we are, right? That was probably a good thing too. He, and he was a trustworthy kid, right? He's a sinless son of God, right? You don't we'll worry about him too much. Like you're not worried about him running off or doing something bad behind your back. Like it's all right. Like he, he's growing up. He's gonna be with. He's he's gonna be somewhere where he's supposed to be. But then then he's not. He's not. All right. If you're a parent, you can imagine how it feels, right? 12, 13, even if in your mind, like, he's becoming a man, right? He's still 12. He's still 13. He's not with anybody. You've traveled a day's journey away from a big city that saw an influx of 200,000 people, right? And it's already a big city. And he's there by himself. It's scary, right? It's scary. How's he going to take care of himself? Yeah, Jamie, Jamie would be cool. Yeah. You can imagine feeling what that would feel like, right? If you've been separated from a kid in the grocery store for a minute and not known where they were, you know, like that thought, he's there by himself. Kids, you've been separated from your parents? Yeah, yeah. Think about it this way. You guys have a place you go on vacation. Kids, you have a place you go on vacation regularly, the beach or the lake or a city or something like that. Some place that you're somewhat familiar with, but also it's big, and if you were left by yourself, you wouldn't maybe know what to do. Imagine being left behind in a place like that. Now, we'll, we'll see that Part of the reason Jesus got left behind is Jesus wasn't left behind. Jesus chose to stay. Okay. Here's a question for you kids, though. If you got left behind at, on vacation or something like that, in Michigan, yeah, where we go on vacation, would your parents be able to trust you? <laughs> we got a big no right there. Hey. I said no more candy, but thanks for your honesty. <laughs> she, said, she said no. <laughs> Could not trust me. <laughs> Do you think Joseph and Mary were scared about Jesus getting into trouble? I don't think they were. I don't think they were scared about Jesus getting into trouble. I think they trusted him. But I do think that they were scared for his safety. Scared for his life. It took them three days of searching for him after that day's travel. So what, five days are we talking about, maybe? Well, if there was a day's travel one way, they have to travel the day back, right? And then they spend three days looking for him. So somewhere between three and five days, they're looking for this kid. Because they're probably looking the whole way back on the road, hoping he's trying to catch up, hoping they don't pass him, right? It's a lot of stress and a lot of pain. And how's he eating? How's he being fed? Where's he sleeping? Jesus was alone, and when they found him, where did they find him? All right, all right. 
Everybody gets candy after the service, okay? It's in the temple at Bible study with the teachers. How many of you, if you got separated from your family, would have gone to church? Uh huh. All right. Think about this, kids. I'm not telling you to be a goody two shoes, but your time as a child is passing, it's going to be gone quick. Lots of you would be considered young men by now, okay? Lots of you would be considered really close to being young men and young women. Jesus was wise. Jesus went to the wise. He was not concerned about staying a kid. He was not concerned about prolonging his childhood. He was concerned about becoming a man, about becoming an adult, okay? Let's keep reading. After three days, they found him in the temple sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When they saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. And he said to them, why is it that you were looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand the statement which he had made to them. And he went with them and came to Nazareth, and he continued in subjection to them. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Now, they found Jesus in the temple. They're glad he's alive. You can imagine the scene, right? Tears. Somewhere in the midst of all that, Mary remembers herself and says, why did you treat us this way? Why did you do this to us? Don't you understand how afraid we've been? Valid question? Reasonable question? Now, these are the first recorded words of Jesus in Scripture, right here. Why is it that you are looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? All right. Dads? We have Mary's words in Scripture. Any of us dads have a reason why we might not have Joseph's words in Scripture? <laughs> I mean, I hope you don't think it's impious of me, but if we leave Peter in a city and he's gone for five days and we're looking for him and we find out that he just decided to stay and his mom says, why did you do this? And that's his answer? It's not going well for you, is it? Yeah, it's not. Why? Why? Why were we looking for you? I don't know, because you're 12, because you were lost in a big city, because you were gone for five days. I don't know. All right, Joseph and Mary were probably used to some weird things with Jesus, right? This is one of those weird things. They didn't understand what was going on. Did you not know I had to be in my father's house? I think the best way to translate it is about my father's business. Didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? Joseph was supposed to make sure Jesus knew how to swing a hammer. He was going to do that. He knew that Jesus was special. So did Mary. They also knew he was the son of God. They had the angels come and visit them. They had all the weird things happen that happened around Christmas that we've been celebrating this past week. We're going to keep celebrating, right? 
Jesus was 12. Jesus was becoming a man. He was coming of age. He was becoming a son of the law. He was about to take on the full weight and responsibility of manhood. He was preparing in earnest for the work his father had for him. He had a house to, to build and to protect, and it was one that couldn't be built with a hammer. Right? And there's a sense in which mom and dad should have known better, actually. In this particular case, they should have felt his pressure. The pressure of preparing for his mission in life. They should have expected and helped him do everything they could to prepare him for that. And, I mean, they took him to the feast every year. But this is Jesus. He was in the temple. He was engaging with teachers of the law. He was disputing with them. Now, a lot of commentators make this into a really sweet thing, Jesus humbly seeking to learn from wise men. Okay? Amazing them all. I'm not convinced. I think that Jesus was respectful, but I also believe that these are the very same men that are going to put him to death in 20 years' time. I think Jesus grew up with these men, going to and from the feast, watching them look down on his family, watching them mistreat the poor, watching them turn his father's house into a den of thieves. He'd seen his own parents, I suspect, being swindled and upcharged by greedy people. These were the leaders. I think it's just as likely Jesus went there to put everybody on notice. He is becoming a man. And he was a 12-year-old boy. Remember Jesus in the temple with a whip? How long do you think he planned that? We don't know. We don't know. I'm coloring outside the lines. Okay, This isn't in this text of Scripture. I know that. But think about it for a minute. Put, put yourself there. I don't think it's a bad question to ask. My suspicion is that Jesus wanted everybody to know that if he wanted to, even at 12 years old, he could put them in their place. And it shows in how astonished they were, right? How amazed they were at him. If you look at uh, the passage just above, you see two other people who are amazed at Jesus, but they are not amazed in the same way. They recognize who Jesus is as a child in Simeon and Anna. And I don't think it's a coincidence that these stories are side by side. Humble Anna, humble Simeon, able to see Jesus for who he is, the teachers of the law, not, not able. Amazed and astonished on their heels, they didn't have a clue. Yes, Jesus was a submissive son. Yes, he was humble and respectful because Jesus was humble and respectful. I still think they would have felt the fire in his questions. If there's one thing the passage makes clear, though, whether you accept anything else I've said or not, it's that Jesus knew what he was about from a young age. He was a man on a mission. He came to save his people. He was there to take every measure prepared, uh, to be prepared for that work when it came. Okay, mom and dad, been thinking about how you can be more like 
Mary and Joseph. The ways we need to be leading and preparing our kids for adulthood. For work that honors God. For leading our families in worship and service. Kids, have you been thinking about becoming men and women? (laughs) Abe says no. (laughs) Have you thought about following Jesus' example? Think about it for one last minute here. Twelve-year-old Jesus is studying the Bible with teachers of the law. Whether or not they're good teachers, it doesn't matter. What's he doing? He's studying Scripture. He's studying the Bible. We don't see Jesus again after this for years. But do you know what his next recorded words in Scripture are? He's quoting the Bible. He quotes it three times. Those are the next words we have recorded of Jesus in Scripture. And you know what happens after that? The next time we see him, he's reading the Bible publicly and delivering a sermon. The first four times we see Jesus open his mouth after this, Jesus is quoting the Bible and reading the Bible. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, dying for your sins, what did he do? He quoted the Bible. When he was resurrected from the dead, after three days, people having no idea what happened to him or where he was, you know what he did? He found some disciples on the road to Emmaus looking sad, and he discovered they didn't understand the Bible. So he says to them, a lot like he did to Joseph and Mary, why were you looking for me? Didn't you know? Oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. In other words, Jesus taught them, the Bible. Kids, almost done. Is your job to grow up and be the savior of the world? No. No. No, but your job is to become like him, isn't it? Are you going to be trustworthy? Are you going to seek the things of God? Will you give yourselves while you're young and your memories are strong to studying the Bible? There's a secret every adult has, and that's that it's harder for us now to memorize things and remember things than it ever has been. When we were young, it was easier. I remember memorizing the Gettysburg Address in one sitting when I was like 10 or 11. And I can still quote most of it, I think, today. Ask me when you come to get your candy, and I'll give myself some candy if I get it right. Okay, But I can't do that now. I couldn't sit down and just memorize something like that. And if I did, it wouldn't live with me the way that does. Our minds work differently now. Our minds have changed. We are doing the work we prepared ourselves to do when we were young. 
And we only have the preparation that we had. The things that stuck, stuck. Many of us didn't even know that's what we were doing or not doing. Not really. We didn't think of ourselves at 12 years old as preparing ourselves for life. Maybe a little bit. But I guarantee you a couple of things. The first is that none of us would go back and do it again. And the second is that if we did, if we did, we would do it very differently. You're in a time of preparation, and God has given you minds that reflect that. They're sponges. And so you are preparing yourself for something. What you give yourselves to now will have consequences for the rest of your life. You don't have to know your mission in life. You don't have to know your career. But you should make it your mission to live for Jesus and to build his kingdom. And to prepare yourself spiritually for the battle of life. So be like Jesus. Study your Bibles. As you go into a new year, make a resolution if you have to. Study the Bible more than you ever have this year. It will only help you. Okay? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for bringing us here this morning. Thank you for giving us this example of Jesus making himself about his mission and his kingdom and studying the scriptures. Pray that we would all learn from it and grow, that we would lead our families into godliness, that we would humble our hearts before you and give ourselves to the study of your word. In Jesus' name, amen.